Okie dokie artichoke Cameron Lazies, episode number four. Woo! Didn't practice that intro, not going to redo it. Uh, I am Shane, here with Ariana, here with Aaron. Uh, Aaron, two days ago, when we did our last podcast, we were out in the wilderness. Uh, we had a logo of a sort of artificially fat-faced Coach K as Che Guevara. It was ugly. Uh, we were not on iTunes, we were not on Stitcher, we were not on Spotify. Things have changed mightily. Beautiful logo on all three of those things. Do you feel more legitimate as we sit here speaking today? Yeah, my mom listens. That's really all that needs to be said. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, uh, yeah, sure. I, I'm I'm sure that uh, folks are, are going to be interested in hearing what we have to say, uh, especially as we uh, preview the Colorado State game uh, as Duke gets ready to play the Rams at Cameron Indoor Stadium on Friday night. That's right. Uh, my wife just delivered um, Coca-Cola's and ginger ale, so we are officially ready to start talking about Colorado State. But before we do, well, first I want to say that later in the show we're going to be speaking with Justin Michael, uh, who is the Colorado State beat guy. He works for thednvr.com, covering them. That stands um, for Denver, for, for those listening. Yeah, Denver minus the vowels. Um, so we're going to chat with him, and he's going to have the uh, the take on Colorado State. But before we get there, um, when we recorded, it was right after the Kansas game. We were kind of hot and fresh off the take. Uh, now we've had two days to think about it, uh, that wonderful W, that wonderful flawed W, perhaps. Um, so, Ariana, what didn't we talk about, and what have you thought about over the last couple of days uh, as we look back on that game? Yeah, sure thing. Um, in reflecting over the really ugly Duke-Kansas game, um, a couple of thoughts stick out in my head, and I'll start with the basketball one first, since okay. this is indeed a basketball podcast. And um, I had several conversations with friends, some who were at Madison Square Garden and watching, and then um, others who were watching at home, uh, and particularly with my sister, about the fact that with this team, they need everybody on the court like to perform and like do something um and i think it's really like it's reminiscent of duke teams of old where every person in the lineup contributed something to to get them across the finish line um and it really is rooted in teamwork which i love we can't be reliant on any of these kind of superstar guys to just like dominate the game in and out. And so I'm really encouraged to see how they continue to grow and play together. Um, and then the second basketball tangential thought that I had was about coach K's hair and the fact that it is very endearing to see the salt and pepper in it. Um, even though, you know, he claims that he does not dye it. It's just really nice to see that, like he he's 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 old, he's up there, and uh, we can see it now. It's charming. Yeah, Aaron, you were commenting on that, and I put the question to you: Do you believe that he wasn't dying it before? I don't know if you want to go on the record with this controversial take, but no, it's not a controversial take because <laughs> uh, when Coach K uh, gave uh, so so, uh, if you didn't attend Duke University. Uh, uh, as I did, I'm a. Uh, I think all of us on this podcast did. Well, well, yes, but perhaps some of the listeners didn't <laughs> have. The, it'll be more than just the, us rewinding and I listening. Was... <laughs> it's mostly us. Well, my mom didn't uh, attend Duke University, so um, uh, for for her, uh, Coach K uh, comes and speaks to uh, the freshman class, or at least he he did when uh, when I was a student, and um, 
uh, part of his his talk um, was, I think he said something like that he he hadn't told a lie since he was eight years old, um, and I believe it. I believe it. Um, if he said he didn't dye his hair, he didn't dye his hair. Uh, the man hadn't lied since he was eight. That itself was not a lie. The liar's paradox, not invoked. Uh, so, uh, yeah, sure, I believe it. Uh, I'd like to to pick up on on uh, uh, one of the points that that you are speaking about, which is that we need every every player mm-hmm. on the floor. Um, was Joey Baker on the floor in dun, that game? Dun, dun. This is one of two really really bizarre um, controversy, like conspiratorial things where uh it's almost like reality is being distorted Mm -hmm. yeah take us through that aaron because you were the man on the spot who unearthed both of these things sure so um i i looked at the box score after watching the game um which which is you know a a good practice a classic tape grinder Uh, Mm -hmm. yes i'm always grinder always grinding tape and and looking at the stats uh, and I noticed that the uh, Duke Sports Information Office, which, uh, if you didn't know, I, I once worked in the Duke Sports Information Office as a work-study student. Uh, so I, I know the, the inner workings. Fired um, for speaking truth to power. Mm-hmm. I was fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> not for speaking truth to power. So that's why you're doing it now. He got too close to the truth, folks. <laughs> I, I speak about what I know. Um, and the uh, the sports information department, um, uh, I don't think tabulates the statistics. I think they must come from some kind of third party uh, statistics uh, uh, counting service. Um, but Joey Baker is listed uh, on the SID site on the Duke the Duke SID site as having played zero plus minutes. Um, now, generally, if a player doesn't play in the game, he's not included in the box score. Uh, the I think the the thing that that Shane you said uh, was someone online pointed out that that he was supposed to have had come in around the under twelve timeout in the second half is that correct in the second half and played for like twelve seconds played for twelve seconds then they they looked at the tape and realized he had not in fact no, set foot on the court. absolutely never in the game didn't take his warm up thing off what do they call those overcoats definitely his not overcoat. That. Uh, <laughs> He was tightly bundled up on the bench. He had some watches to sell you. <laughs> it was Madison Square Garden, so uh, yeah. so not not entirely inappropriate. Um, so yeah, what's the deal? That is a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, someone uh, I can't claim this joke is my own, but I really liked it. But someone was like, "They need to fix that so he doesn't blow a potential red shirt." <laughs> <laughs> so. That is that is Never a big what's old. the deal type question. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know what the intent would be. I'm first of all, I'm sure it's intentional mm. and that there's conspiracy behind it. Yes, one hundred. It's not just that they outsource uh, their stats to Kazakhstan and nobody knows what's going on. Uh, it's that somebody did this on purpose, mm-hmm. probably at the behest of Coach K. I would mm. say this probably goes right to the top. Hands yeah. down. Um, but I'm still uh, we're still in chapter one of this mystery novel. I don't know what the motive is yet. Um, Ariana, any any opinions? So, I mean, it could be a direct retaliation to us in our discussion mm. of whether or not Joey Baker is a tragic figure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we might have just become legitimate 
today on the main streaming sources for podcasts, but I'm sure they're listening. I'm sure they're listening to everything that goes on on the airwaves about Duke basketball. So what better way to uh, continue feeding that fire of whether or not Joey Baker is a tragic figure than by putting him in air quotes for 12 mm-hmm. seconds. I have a related theory, which mm-hmm. is also based on, on the fact that they are certainly listening to this podcast, but they wanted to introduce a doubt about mm-hmm. the, the observability of phenomena. Yep. Um, so if you don't believe that Joey Baker was in the game and we say that Joey Baker was in the game, now you've got this, this contradiction in your mm-hmm. mind. Uh, I think it also speaks to you know the limits of uh, the ability to to gather empirical data, mm-hmm. make sense of it. Um, uh, my yeah. um, just to speak to that. Oh, um, my conservative uncle was on Facebook today, mm-hmm. ranting about how Joey Baker was definitely in the game <laughs> for twelve seconds. So it is the disinformation campaign has worked. Another thing I'll say, and I, I didn't want to comment on this, but um, today is go. garbage day in Durham Thursday, or at least it is here. Um, and I had a, a weird experience getting up at 4 a.m. and looking out my window <laughs> and seeing someone rooting through my garbage. Uh-oh. And it looked like Matt Plisga, the SID at Duke. And I said, oh, that's strange. That's just, a, that's just a hallucination on my part. Um, even though there's a streetlight right above my garbage, I can mm. see it pretty clearly. And I said, wow, this is amazing that uh, not only is the garbage man look like him, but they're out at 4 a.m. Mm. So I put it, you know, I went back to, it was late, I was tired, I went back to bed, got up at 7 for my morning 12-mile run that I do every morning, mm-hmm. and got out, and the normal garbage men were there. Wow. And they looked at me, and they go, where's your garbage? Wow. So, I mean, read into that what you will. I don't, yeah. again, I don't want to draw any conclusions, but... Um, well, no one can deny that, that Alex O'Connell missed a free throw mm-hmm. with 2 minutes and 22 seconds left in the first half, the front end of a one-and-one. That was not recorded on the stat sheet. And you know what's interesting about that, Aaron? Uh, and this is kind of a serious note, is that um, if you remember, TV had just come back from a break when it happened. <gasps> and the, so the camera was weird. But what it leads me to think is that there is some third party doing it off the TV oh, feed. And so it was easy it. to blink and miss it. But he definitely did. It's mm-hmm. on It's on TV. But it's just like one did of those like click clack like comes right back. That so, rhymed. Yeah. That's another thing. He like, I mean, and that's a regular season game. His free throw percentage is illegitimate. It is, as far unless they fix it. I mean, we can't trust him down the stretch now to make free throws if we can't trust his free throw percentage, can we? Absolutely not. I mean, I hope he breaks a record and some somehow in free throws by one, and then it's the three of us that <laughs> know the truth. I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't. Um, and, and and this gets to to a larger point, which is, um. I, I said a harsh thing about Wendell Moore, and I'm sorry. Um, what did you say? I, I said that um, something along the lines of, we had nine players in the game, but one of them was Wendell Moore. Um, it was pretty ruthless. It, it, it could have been... Uh, uh, it was cold. It was cold. And I think uh, Wendell... He, he reflected after the game. I, I believe this was in the, the official Duke write-up. He said he gave himself an F mm-hmm. for the game. Um, he didn't play well. He acknowledged that. Uh, I'm ready to, to leave it at that, and I'm also ready to pledge that I will try to not say mean things about 18- to 22-year-old uh, young men and uh, their performance on the basketball court because, um, you know, they're kids. 
Well, there you go, folks. One third of the Cameron Lazies has completely lost yep. his objectivity, and you can't trust anything he says because yep. he's uh, an arm of uh, Duke PR, apparently, now. That just leaves me and you, Shane. That's just us speaking truth to power. The very thing you got fired for <laughs> once upon a time. What have you become? Sellout. <laughs> well, they, they didn't aim the sonic attack weapon at your house. <laughs> so Aaron's been hearing loud crickets at night for the last the last two weeks all right guess what guys i'm gonna go with my stuff and boy what a trip back down to earth this is gonna be because <laughs> it is about basketball um Madness. we're all tape grinders here it's so we true. watched the northwest missouri state game the highlight of that game for me was how good matthew hurt was in the post mm-hmm. interestingly enough we did not see him in the post against kansas other than maybe two or three times uh, i kind of wanted to get your take on that i mean vernon Carey did a great job there's nothing wrong with him and he's a talented player but Hurt was so effective, you know, and again, Northwest Missouri State is different than facing Azabuki mm-hmm. down low. Still, he's got a lot of talent down there. And I think, uh, or at least I hope we haven't seen the last of that. Yeah, I I would agree that uh, I enjoyed seeing Matt Hurt play in the post. And he definitely has a legitimate presence there. I think that it was probably a decision like looking at who coach k decided to put in the post or leave in the post it really came down to a defensive decision of needing jack and javin down there and a little bit more experience to be able to handle kansas uh on defense and so i think he kind of took that chance out of or like responsibility rather out of matt hurt's hands and was more like especially because when you are subbing out and playing a defensive game, you have far fewer offensive options. And so I feel like it was a Matt, your responsibility is on offense. Do not worry about like post play as much. And I I think that's just how the flow of the court ended up going. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think maybe they sort of seeded a little bit of ground underneath to those guys. I mean, Kansas is enormous. Um, And the other thing I wanted to bring up, um, was Javin Delorier uh, just not being able to breathe without getting a foul called on him? Yep. Uh, which which is the big knock on him last year. Um, and I also just want to point out that when I talked to my stepdad, um, three years and change, we've had him on the team. Still calls mm-hmm. him Duvalier. So <laughs> if, if anybody, if anybody was wondering if that changed uh, over the course of, of the offseason, it hasn't. It's Javin Duvalier. Um, so. Uh, Oh yeah, what, but but really, like, what do you think? Like, is Devalier or oh, here I go? Yeah. Is Delorier uh, nothing but basically like five five walking fouls to be used by Duke? Uh, Javin Devalier is is actually an international jewel thief. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing: um, he puts his hands straight up in the air so convincingly after fouling that I believe he's never fouled. <laughs> Uh, it, you watch him, and and they always show the replay. He always, always, always sticks his hands straight up um, to indicate that that's what he'd done, uh, therefore not uh, causing the foul. And frankly, I think the more he does it, the more I'll be convinced that he's never fouled. Again, it's uh, it goes back to that unsettling uh, what is reality type thing. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think, yeah. Once you get a reputation as a foul-prone player, I think it's natural for for referees to. They're not bias-free. They can't be. They, no, no, they, they know the narrative, right? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, look at Grayson Allen and what happened to him with his trips. But and that, and that's complete bullshit because he never intentionally 
tripped a player in exactly. his entire life. Exactly. But Probably the not. The narrative builds, and so you get a guy who's innocent, uh, treated like a guilty man. All of the time. Well, I, I, I feel like you're you're joking with me. You're jesting. Uh, <laughs> but I... Th- <laughs> I do. I don't think he fouls all, every time that they say he's fouled. Oh no, no. No, yeah. Well, there was one. There was one particular where his back was to the man, and there was like a sort of alley oop. Yep. That he went and defended it well, and there was a little mid air collision, but he certainly had every right to the space and to the ball, um, and they called that. So yeah, I, I'm with you there in the sense that um, yeah, reputations perceive themselves mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, it's, it's been that way in basketball forever. It's why yep. Michael Jordan always sure. got fouls in yep. like clutch moments. It's just the reality of things. Like, look at Reggie Miller with his kick out with his leg, always getting a foul call on threes, hands down. Oh. He perfected that move. So much trauma from that man. How much? <laughs> so much childhood trauma from one man. Um, John Starks, if you're out there, don't listen to this podcast. I don't like you still. Um, okay, so are we, uh, are we pretty good on Kansas? We think we're all right? I, I think I'm, I'm ready to close the book. Yeah. Right. Bye, bye, Kansas. Yeah. So, yeah, up next, it's going to be, you're going to hear my voice again. Uh, it's Justin Michael from Colorado State. Um, I think I give all his credentials, so I won't do that again, but he's going to tell us what to expect. Uh, Friday, you'll probably be listening to this on Friday, uh, against Colorado State at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Let's hear from him. Okay, Shane again, and delighted to be joined now by Justin Michael uh, from Fort Collins. He is a multimedia journalist working for... DNVR Rams. Uh, Justin, how are you? Good, man. Good to be here. Excited to talk a little college basketball. Excited to uh, visit one of the nation's elite college basketball programs. It's it's going to be a fun week for me, man. So are you coming to Durham this week? I am. Well, I, it's been kind of a process because Duke and Kansas had their game last night. So they've been, they got back to CSU kind of slow. So all of us were like, well, we have travel booked. So our credentials are good, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that is not a surprise knowing Duke's credentialing uh, staff. Um, all right. So Justin, yeah, a quick shout out to a friend of mine, uh, Justin Weber, who was a, uh, was with me in grad school uh, and he was a Fort Collins guy, a CSU alum and he turned me on to your work so this was uh, several years ago but i loosely followed colorado state at the end of the tim miles era uh just when larry eustachie was taking over um that was a long time ago now it seems like an awful lot has happened since then so i would love if you could just give uh, duke fans a sense of of where the program is at and sort of what the mindset is at uh in colorado state right now it's definitely a rebuilding period for the program you had a couple of, of high moments during the Larry Stacy era. I was it was very complicated because he won twenty games a couple of times, but he also, you know, got in multiple scandals and was just kind of a nightmare from a PR perspective for the university. Uh, ultimately, he ends up getting fired for the way that he treats players. Technically, they came to a a buyout, so he he left on his own terms or whatever, however you want to phrase it, but he got fired. So then you bring in Nico Medved, who was a longtime assistant under Tim Miles, and his goal was kind of to rebuild this program, get it back into a position where they're contending for the NCAA tournament. Obviously, different goals here in Fort Collins than in Duke, uh, not really thinking about national titles or anything like that at this point. It's like, just make it to the dance. But they have a roster that is basically completely reconstructed with their own guys. Uh, they had a lot of turnover. It's it's very young, but it's a team that's much more athletic than some of the last couple of years and 
more importantly, their locker room is just more together. It was kind of a train wreck these last couple of seasons. You had a couple of really egotistical veterans, and it just it didn't really mix. But it seems like they are they're on their way to getting to where they would like to go. Yeah, and you talk about Larry Eustacey. That was a story, I feel like I must have heard about it a little bit peripherally, but I think I kind of missed it about just how abusive he was to players and what a huge deal it was. Like, you you kind of have your own Bobby Knight situation there going. Um, so that had to be disappointing because I remember, you know, there was a ton of optimism around the program, um, but it sounds, from what you're saying, like that optimism is kind of coming back and, and people like what Nico Medved's doing. Yeah, I'd say it's coming back. I mean, it was a weird deal with you, Stacey. Even when he was out, there were people that still somewhat defended him because the season before they made it to the uh, Mountain West Championship Tournament championship game and finished second in the league behind Nevada, despite only having seven players. But the reason they only had seven players were because they had three guys that got suspended in midseason for being academically ineligible. Mm. Uh, so it was just like a, a chaotic time under you, Stacey. Uh, ultimately now, though, I think Medved is a guy who just gets it a lot more. He's much more involved in the community, understands that there's more to building a program than simply just the X's and O's. And then really the biggest difference has just been recruiting. You say he didn't recruit at all. It was like it was really crazy how how little effort they put into recruiting. And it, it showed with the level of talent they would basically just go and they would find juco kids that didn't have a lot of other options really couldn't go anywhere else didn't qualify at a bigger school something like that and he'd bring them in and there were some hits there were some decent players along the way but ultimately medved's a guy who's just trying to build the program from the ground up and i think in the long term it's just going to be better for everyone you get the fan base more invested and ultimately this is a community that will support the team you know if they're successful so hopefully he's able to do it yeah, and it seemed like Tim Miles was really good at that, uh, from what I understood. He was just really good at engaging and kind of had an active presence on social media. And that stuff is important, right? When you have sort of a, a program that is aspiring to make the NCAA tournament, definitely has had some high points in history, but uh, is is not you know one of your huge name programs that's going to attract a following kind of no matter what. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And Medved definitely comes from that Tim Miles school of coaching that really personable, not trying to hide things. I think they're well aware of the hurdles that they have being in a mid-major like CSU, but they also recognize that they're in a position where their resources are better than a lot of the a lot of the teams in their league, a lot of schools of similar size. And so, you know, they can be competitive. They they can get there, but they just have to do it the right way and and find guys that ultimately want to be there, which can be kind of tough in the in the ever-changing you know, basketball landscape with how easy it is for guys to transfer up now. Uh, so let's talk about this year's team. Uh, last night, Tuesday night, they beat the Denver Pioneers at home. So it's going to be a clash of undefeated squads when they meet at, at Cameron on Friday. Um, and that little laugh was not meant to be condescending, by the way. <laughs> yeah, hey, I, I laughed a little bit, too. So it's all good. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just saw, again, I don't know much about these guys, but, you know, their leading scorer, Chris Martin, um, Thistlewood had 15 points. Seems like they've got veterans, sort of a team after Duke's own heart in that they shoot a ton of threes and didn't make many. That's sort of been our, <laughs> our MO for the last two years. But, no, yeah, tell me a little bit about this team and, and their style of play and who are the guys to look out for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Nico Carvacho is the big name on the team. He led the nation in rebounding last year. 
Um, he was also CSU's leading scorer. Uh, the problem, of course, was that he was playing like 34 minutes a game. They had absolutely no depth behind him, uh, and and he had a separated shoulder. So it was not. He just wasn't very productive offensively this year. They're trying to play uh, more through him in the paint. They want him to be a bigger just threat down low. We'll see, especially going against you know bigger, better athletes like Duke has. I think they may be able to give him some troubles just knowing that he doesn't have to face guys like that very often. Uh, ultimately, this is a team that they have decent depth. They have okay athletes, but they're just really inexperienced. Most of their second stringers, aside from Hyron Edwards, are freshmen and sophomores, and they just they're young, man. They're they're trying to figure it out. I think the talent is better than CSU's probably had in two or three years, but figuring it all out and doing it in an intense atmosphere like Duke is it's going to be a roller coaster for these guys. I think the lights are going to come on. It's there's just going to be some shell shock for them. Yeah, that's interesting. I was looking at um, just like some very broad Ken Pomeroy numbers from last year. It seems like their profile last season was they're a little bit better offensively than they were defensively. Is that you think going to going to stay true this year? Is it a team that probably is going to give up a lot of points and have to try to to outscore teams? Well, that was definitely that's that's a good thing to bring up because I think that's the biggest thing they're trying to improve on this year is last year they just one they weren't a good team defensively period but when things weren't going well on the offensive end you would just see them quit and they would you know basically stop on both ends and other teams would go on these crazy you know 18 20 point runs and it, it would just kill them it would completely take them out of any game. So this year they're trying to be much more complete on the defensive end. Against DU, they looked really good defensively, but it's kind of tough to say because that DU team is just not good. They <laughs> missed a lot of open jump shots. And if you look at some of their figures from last year, uh, crazy how bad that DU team was. So <laughs> tough to say. Like, is, is CSU actually improving defensively or is it just because they played a group of kids that probably shouldn't be one D1 Hoopers? So. That's funny. You know, it's kind of funny. There's a parallel uh, with Duke right now because, you know, it's always a concern. How good is Duke's defense going to be? And last night they looked amazing against Kansas, but also Kansas had about 30 turnovers, which set a school record. Uh, <laughs> and, like, you know, Kansas has been, as I said in the other podcast, has been around a long time. James Naismith coached there. So for them to turn the ball over that much, it's like, is Duke's defense really that good? Or did we, <laughs> did we just catch Kansas on a really, a really bad day? Um, well, that's great stuff, Justin. Thanks a lot. Um, I guess one last question for you. Um, I'm always curious when teams like Colorado State come to Cameron, you know, so oftentimes there's a connection of some uh, sort. And I, I didn't really see anything beyond the fact that uh, Nico Medved had coached at Furman and they had visited Duke a couple times. So maybe it was just that little connection with Coach K. Uh, is there anything beyond that that, uh, that kind of draws these two teams together? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I know CSU has played Duke like twice since 2000, I believe. Um, so, I, I mean, there is somewhat of a relationship, I guess, between the two athletic programs. But it's been so long that the turnover at CSU, I don't think there's any established connections, at least that are well known. It could be something through the athletic director. CSU's AD, Joe Parker, uh, has worked at a lot of bigger schools and he kind of has some connections. It's it's helped CSU on the football side. They've been able to schedule games uh, with some SEC teams. They got a game at Michigan coming up, Texas in the future. So that's kind of just been CSU's goal with basketball and football over the last couple of years is they got to face bigger teams and raise the profile of the school because right now they're just spending a ton on uh, athletics and you know trying to take it to the next level. 
but they just haven't quite been able to do so yet. That's great. So, Justin, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, you can find his work at thednvr.com. Uh, any other plugs, Twitter, or anything that you want to throw out, Justin? Yeah, if you're uh, interested in what we're doing, you can follow us at dnvr underscore rams. My Twitter's at Justin T. Michael. Uh, we've got a lot of interesting stuff going on, CSU, CU, all the Denver pro teams. So if you're interested in Colorado sports, Mile High Sports, DNVR, check it out. Great stuff, Justin, and uh, enjoy Cameron Indoor Stadium, provided they let you in. Exactly. Well, I, I hope that I'll be there, but I guess if not, I'll just post a selfie from outside and be like, look, I made it. Yikes. Uh, I have a fact check um, because I listened to that interview. Uh, he ground the tape. I did. I I grinded the tape. Grinded the tape. Yeah, that sounds more right. They The Kansas Jayhawks did not commit a record number of turnovers, Shane. I apologize. I mm-hmm. do you regret the error? Do you? I do regret the error. Um, there was a part of me when I, I kind of caught wind that you were going to fact check me that wanted to double down. Oh, um, wow! It just it seems like a classic technique that's being used more and more, and um, I was going to do that. But you know what? I uh, I have to look at myself in the mirror in the morning. Mm-hmm. Kansas came close to setting a school record for turnovers, and they've been playing um, since like the 1800s, as I said with Justin. So I do think it's a profound statistic. I do think it was worth mentioning, but I do regret the error and the inaccuracy, and I promise to do better. Thank you. That satisfies me. <laughs> Great. Uh, so are you guys excited to see in Cameron Indoor Stadium the um, all-time Mountain West rebound leader? Yeah. When uh, Justin said that in his interview, because uh, like I didn't know much about Colorado State coming into this game. And when he said that, I like definitely my interest uh, was piqued um, to see kind of how that battle down low will go, um, especially after seeing how we were able to handle big men playing Kansas. I guess I wasn't done on Kansas because I just mentioned them several times just now. Um, but I, I am. I'm excited to see that kind of contest down low and how it'll go. I think we did a good job of like getting a lot of uh, like offensive rebounds last time and like second chance or third chance baskets. And so we'll see if that shifts. Granted, we're also hopefully making more baskets than we did versus Kansas. So there's that. Yeah, exactly. And Colorado State should be a weak defensive team. Um, they're better on offense. Their they're leading scorer is a guy named Chris Martin, which is cool because I think all three of us, our favorite band is Coldplay. Obviously, um, Chris Martin, the lead singer. It's spelled differently, but that's a neat connection too. Aaron, do you want to talk about the band Coldplay for ten minutes? I'd actually like to talk about how we will hopefully be consciously uncoupling Chris Martin from the basketball. Well done. Thank you. I didn't know that his name was Chris Martin until just now, and I just thought of it. So I'd like extra credit for that. For anyone listening, uh, Aaron called me last night and asked me to set that joke up because he had spent all day writing it. So so don't buy into that. I mean, this has been prepared for a long time. It was sad. I mean, he made me go over it. We practiced it like 12 times. It was right before I saw the garbage can thing. It was right before that. He just That's needed a win, on. Shane. He really just needed the win. I won't give it to him. No, that was that was completely original. Um, really, um, really. You don't have stuff. to say that. No, it was, it was. Um, yeah, Ariana. Uh, anything else on Colorado State? I, I really don't have much more. I'm excited to see another Duke basketball game, basically. Yeah, I think the the 
balance like I feel like their balance is like the opposite of ours or at least what we've seen so far where like their balance is we're not really good on defense but we're stronger offensively and then our balance is we're not really good on offense but we like buckle down on defense and so it'll be interesting to see how those two things play with one another and um how much hustle the guys come out with how they recover after that fight against Kansas yeah uh, I do just want to point out um this was in the Denver Post today Chris Martin said the headline is Warren's Duke and Coach K were coming to win the game. So that's pretty that's pretty aggressive words until you read the actual quote and it's just completely normal. <laughs> and the Denver Post is doing some fake news, maybe. But um, yeah, they're going to be confident, but we're going to beat them uh, because they're probably not going to be able to stop us and we'll probably score 90 points. That's kind of my take on, on this game. I was thinking 86. Okay. Mm. Um, Have the divine God spoken through you? Not No, no. This was, this was just a gut feeling oh, uh, this right. time. Um, yeah, I think if there's not a, a more than double chant in the first half, uh, I'll be disappointed by this game. Um, we, we need, we need a beat down here. And, uh, I think Colorado state, uh, uh, will, uh, oblige. All right. So, um, that's, that's Colorado state taken care yeah. of. I don't, I don't really think, I mean, again, I'm just looking forward to seeing this team and, uh, are we looking past this game? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, a little bit. I mean, part of the reason why, Aaron, what we were just talking about before the tape began to roll, uh, is that ACC action yeah. has started. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some Which stuff going so around. Um, I do want to talk uh, about that. I do want to quickly mention, though, Kentucky beats Michigan. Mm-hmm. Doesn't surprise me at all. I yep. feel like Michigan State is always, I'm sorry, beats Michigan State. Yeah. Correction. Always, always, always. <laughs> That's two. Fact check. We're watching you. I'm glad we got Glenn Kessler here <laughs> on the podcast. Um, yeah, so Michigan State, I think, overrated. I'm not scared of them at all. I really look forward to playing them because mm-hmm. I think they're very beatable. Um, okay, so let's talk Notre Dame, North Carolina. Cole Anthony, I think, is the truth. I mean, he's uh, he's really, really good. I think you have thoughts, Aaron, and I think you should share them, judging by the uh, expression on your face. I did not watch the game, uh, but uh, uh, I do work at, at the University of North Carolina, so I was aware it was happening because the traffic was terrible as I was leaving work. Uh, that's that's typically the only only way I know that there's a Carolina game going on. Um, I think the the glee that I saw from the Carolina fans last night on the social media was enough to already make me feel sick. Um, I don't like Carolina really at all. Um, uh, I don't like their basketball team. And seeing that this young man set a scoring record in what seemed to be a pretty close ACC game. Uh, uh, I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not Notre sure. Dame, Notre Dame up by one at the half. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that this is something to be so excited about. Uh, that said, um, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. I, you know what I'm nervous about is being on the wrong side of the cool player yeah. train and the rivalry, just like they were last year. Yeah. If you talk to Carolina fans, they hated that Duke had Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. And because it is, it's like there are some players that are just fun to watch. And I regret to inform you, Aaron and Ariana, that Cole Anthony is one of them. Um, I also didn't realize he was Greg Anthony's child. Uh, oh, wow. I didn't yeah, know that either. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Nick that I grew up uh, watching. So this shows how, how much I pay attention to recruiting. Uh, which is absolutely none. But yeah, he's good. Um, he's got cool glasses and cool hair. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Ariana, uh, I just want to, on a scale of 1 to 10, ask you how thrilled you are to see the return of the Virginia Cavaliers who played in their usual scintillating style 
in a forty-eight to thirty-four <laughs> victory over the Syracuse Orange. Ah, uh, what a what a what a what a thing of beauty. What a slow slog, non-scoring thing of beauty. I still it baffles me. I mean, one, <clears throat> I like, I love them because they have a they have their mode of doing things and they stick to it, even though it is the most boring basketball game to watch imaginable because nothing happens. Like, nothing happens. Um, and so, I mean, I'm anticipating that we will see more of that over the course of the season for them and maybe potentially even lower scoring games. All right, let me be a typical Virginia fan. Uh, if you understood the pack line defense, you would never say nothing happens because it's a thing of beauty. And, uh, and it's like just, just because they don't score a ton of points, it's still really cool. I will say this for, for Virginia. The games do tend to go pretty quickly. That, that oh, yeah. is true. There's never a whistle. There's like a 30-second yeah. possession from them on offense because they mean to do it, and a 30-second possession on defense because the other team can't figure out what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, Syracuse had 19 points in the first half, Wolf. 15 in the second. Virginia came awfully close to winning that game by double digits without having a single score in double digits. Oh, my God. They had one guy with 12, one guy with 11, and one guy with 10. So just like a few things changed. Wow. They, they had like nobody in double digits. Wow. Um, Look, all, all respect, seriously, to Virginia for playing what they do. They won the title. Yep. They got a little lucky, but you have to get lucky. Mm. They Still, got very lucky. They did. They got it's very true. lucky. I hate that the defending champion in college basketball is a team that plays this way. Yeah. I think it's terrible for the sport. Yeah. I think there should be rule changes to make it impossible to do this. They're effective. There's no doubt that Tony Bennett is a really smart guy. This is awful shit, basically. Yeah, I think they're the reason that, like, when people say like, oh, I hate basketball, it's so boring, it's because they've seen Virginia play basketball. That's why. They're the reason. Do you like watching a boa constrictor <laughs> just choke a little animal? I mean, well, you make a good point, which is that to enjoy that or Virginia basketball, you have to be a fetishist pervert. I, I said nothing less. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron, you've got to go meet your wife for pancakes. Um, we've mentioned your mom and wife. Do you want to give their names over the air? No. Just let people Great. know who they are, uh, where they yeah, are. You, you That's no, not weird at no, all. No, no. They're <laughs> just nameless female figures in my life uh, because this is the patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this this um, this podcast does not pass the Bechtel test, even with, even with Ariana. Uh, wow, y'all. Wow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what else? I mean, like, NC State lost to Georgia Tech. They're a disappointment as always. I, uh, yeah. So so one thing I would like to put in here, and uh, in, in noting the email chain that the three of us have about this podcast, there was mentioned that Greg Paulus got hired as a head coach. Oh, And yes. I want to know how. <laughs> Apparently, this is at Niagara, which is a school in my, my home state of New York, um, kind of right in the same area where, like, Bobby Hurley coached for a long time. Like, did he coach at Buffalo or Wagner? I mean, Wagner's not New York. But anyway, yeah, Greg Paulus is there, which means, you know it means in the future, we're going to be playing Niagara. Yep. And we're going to have to see Greg Paulus on the floor of Cameron Indoor Stadium, which I thought maybe I had, and hoped I had seen the last of. Wow. Greg Paulus. He's older now than 18 to 21, Aaron, so we can be mean. You can be mean. I remember 2007. (laughs) All right, so that'll do it. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, Go Duke against Colorado State. Um, Again, we are now on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. You can find us there. Subscribe. Share. Share. Like. Like. Share. Subscribe. Like. 
leave a rating review, and like and share. Subscribe. Subscribe. Also, on behalf of Ariana, Aaron, and Shane. Go Duke! Goodbye, everybody.